0: are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit HarvestBrampton.ca. You can take your seats. We're starting a new series today called Don't Be Afraid. We're just going to be spending four weeks looking at stories, four stories in the Gospel of Luke that just Show us why, as as believers, we have nothing to fear. That's why we sung that song. We trust you. Over and over again, we are going to see from the gospel of Luke that we can trust Jesus, that he is good and that he is with us. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will get a Bible to you. All you got to do is put your hand up and they'll give one to you. And I'll start with this. Do you ever feel like you can't do anything right? Do you ever have moments like that where the people in your life, all they seem to do is point out all the things that you do wrong? Your parents do this, your friends do this, your co-workers do this, your boss, they do this, and you just, they do it so much, you find yourself wondering, do they ever see anything that I actually do Right? Do they ever notice that I do some things right? I think that if Peter, the Apostle Peter, was living now, he would have lots of moments like this. Think about when you hear Peter mentioned in a sermon or in a Bible study. Often what follows is something negative. You hear things like, oh, there goes Peter again, speaking without thinking. Oh, there goes Peter again, over-promising and under-delivering. Oh, there goes Peter again, being very impulsive and cutting a guy's ear off. The way we talk about Peter, you'd think he never did anything right. But the reality is that Peter did many things right. And in our passage today, we're going to see that he did, he did a lot of things right. And Peter's going to be an example to us. See, Peter shows us in this text, in Luke 5, he shows us how we should respond to the word of Jesus. Peter shows us how we should respond to the divinity of Jesus. And Peter shows us how we should respond to the mission of Jesus. See, Peter responds the right way in all of these things. And if we are going to respond rightly like Peter responds, we're going to have to overcome our fear. And the only way we overcome fear is with faith, is when we live our life by faith and respond and have the faith like we're going to see Peter have in this text. So Luke 5, read the passage with me. It says, on one occasion, this is verse 1, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who are partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their nets to land, they left everything and followed him. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given it to us, Lord. We're grateful for that because your word tells us exactly how you want us to live your word over and over will show us exactly why we don't need to fear anything. Your word points us to the one who is ruling and reigning. Your word also reminds us that the one who is ruling and reigning is intimately involved in our life, that you are walking with us, that you are our shepherd. And God, we're going to see that. And so I pray that there would be comfort from your word preached right now, but there will also be some conviction. I pray, Spirit, you would do that. I'm not going to try to convict anyone. You speak and press into whatever heart on whatever thing you want to. And God, not only I pray will there be conviction, but I also pray that you would fill us with faith from what we hear and that we would come away from here willing and ready to obey your word and to follow your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, here's point number one, the right response to the word of Jesus, obedience. Look at verse one. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And so Luke tells us, here that Jesus is standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is just another name for Galilee. And it says that the people were pressing in on him to hear the word of God. And so I think of, when I think of that, uh, that idea of being pressed in on, I think of being on like the TTC or Brampton, the, the transit, and, and you're kind of in the middle of rush hour and people are all over you. And you've got this little spot and all you got is a little pole. And you think, well, I can't move because if I go this way, I might have somebody's elbow in my face. And if I go this way, I might have somebody's armpit in my face. So you do nothing. This is what Jesus is feeling here. The people are all over him. See, there, Jesus had a growing reputation as a great preacher. And we have good preachers today, men and women who handle the word of God Very well, but here's what we always have to keep in mind. There's never been a greater preacher than Jesus Christ. And Luke tells us what Jesus was preaching and why he was preaching. In Luke chapter 4, in verse 43, Jesus says this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus was preaching the good news. He says, I was sent for this. God sent his son into the world to tell us how we can be saved. Finally, somebody had shown up on the scene to tell us how we can be forgiven, to tell us how we can be healed, to tell us how we can be reconciled back to God. That's why it's called good news. And this gives us insight into the character of God. See, we turned our backs on God, but God didn't turn his back on us. God turns his face towards us and sends his son to tell us the way back to him, and that way is Jesus Christ. See, don't believe the lie that is told sometimes that God exists, but that he doesn't care about us. Psalm 40 verse 17 says, as for me, I am poor and needy. We're poor, we're needy. But here's a good part of the verse. But the Lord takes thought from me. He sees me in my neediness. He sees me in my sin. And he takes thought from me. He does something about it. The most powerful expression of God's thoughtfulness is what he does for us in the gospel. And so the people are pressing in on Jesus And so he gets into Peter's boat. He wants to make sure that the people can hear him. He has a very important message, and he doesn't want them to miss it. And Luke tells us that he taught the people from the boat. And the fact that they were pressing in on Jesus tells us that these people are listening intently. But it's not enough just to listen intently to the word of Jesus. It's not enough just to come to church week after week and listen to sermon after sermon after sermon and walk away going, wow, that was very interesting. The person who does that, who sits under the teaching of the word or opens the scriptures and then doesn't turn around and do what the the Bible says by the power of the spirit, is actually putting themselves in danger because we are accountable for the things that we hear and know. See, when we hear the word of God, we have to do something with what we hear. Look at verse 4. This says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let the nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. This command comes when Peter and his boys are exhausted. He says, We've been toiling all night, Jesus. It comes at a time when the last thing Peter probably wanted to do was go back fishing. It was the wrong time. Back then, the best time to fish was at night. It was inconvenient. The nets are all cleaned. Peter here is probably a little skeptical and a little bit annoyed. See, Peter is the expert fisherman, not Jesus. And this is someone from a different line of work telling him what to do. And as people, we don't really like that. When someone comes in and they they don't do what we do and they start giving us direction, think about it. If I walked in to Tim Cook's office tomorrow, Tim Cook is the CEO of Apple, and I said, hey, Timmy, I've got some info for you. I'm going to give you just a couple tips to tell you exactly what you need to do to make sure that Apple stays well ahead of Samsung. If you follow these tips, things are going to go great for your company. He's going to be like, ah, who are you? Like, "Uh, it's Marv, Tim. Like, well, thanks, Marv. Security is on its way up. See, Peter was good with Jesus using his boat to teach. But when Jesus started telling him how to fish, that was a little different. Jesus here gets in his personal space. Jesus, when he tells Peter what to do, what Jesus is saying here is, Peter, I'm the captain of the boat now. But this is what it means to have Jesus in our life. It means he's the captain of the ship. It means he is driving the car. It means we are going along with him. He gives the directions we follow. Because here's the thing. Jesus sees further up the lake than you and I do. And so we need to trust his direction. That's what it means to have him as Lord. We follow what he says. He's the captain of the boat. So Peter is... Skeptical, he's definitely tired, but he responds the right way. He says, at your word, I will let down the nets. See, he's not sure what will happen, but he obeys. He acts in faith and he does this with everyone watching. There's other people on the, on the shore And they know this is not the best time to go fishing. And so Peter in his obedience risks looking foolish. If they catch nothing, he's gonna look like a fool. The thing is though, Peter wants to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Jesus is gonna command us to do some things that to the watching world, looks foolish what you're doing right now to the watching world looks foolish what i'm doing right now to the watching world looks foolish the fact that i'm speaking from this book in this time in this culture looks foolish the fact that you're sitting here and listening to it and are planning by the power of the spirit i hope to apply what is said here looks foolish but we need to be willing to look foolish to the watching world, because obeying Jesus is much more important. We need to always move forward from hearing to obeying, no matter the risk or the cost. See, sometimes if we're honest, it's the risk that causes us not to obey the scriptures sometimes. We fear the unknown. We don't know if we're going to be called to do something we're not We weren't expecting. We don't know how family members, how workmates, how friends, how future employers might treat us if we obey the scriptures fully. We don't know if society will call us narrow-minded. We don't know if they'll call us intellectually weak for for, uh, believing the things that are said there. We don't know if they're going to call us intolerant if we obey the scriptures fully. And these uncertainties cause us to fear. But we can't let those things cripple us into fear. We have to live our life by faith and do what Jesus tells us to do. Because no matter what comes to us from obeying him, by by walking by his word, no matter what comes to us, Jesus is never going to leave us. He's going to be with us in it. He's going to guide us through it all. And in our obedience, we'll see the glory of Jesus. We'll see the power of Jesus. Look at verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Peter saw the power of Jesus because of his obedience. We need to be like Peter and walk with Jesus into the unknown. Walking forward in obedient faith. Because it's not just anybody that gives us this command. The commands of Scripture aren't coming just from anybody. Peter's about to see that very clearly. Peter is going to see that Jesus is not just anybody. He's going to see him clearly. And here's why this is important. In seeing Jesus clearly, Peter sees himself clearly. Look at verse 7. They signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, from a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. You can write this down to write response to the divinity of Jesus, Confession. Confession. They catch so many fishes that their nets are breaking, that the boat is starting to sink. They're, they've got to call for more help. you just got to try to picture what is happening here. There's water everywhere, there's fish everywhere. Maybe they' been a duck fish, kind of like the matrix, or get one in the face, or whatever it is. And Jesus is just kind of in the middle of all this. He performs a miracle right before their eyes. Now we use that word miracle pretty lightly at times. We say things like, it's a miracle my team won last night. It's a miracle all the checkout lines were open at Superstore and I got out so quick. It's a miracle all those deals I got on Amazon. It's a miracle that date, that family event, that date got moved or got canceled so I don't have to see those family members. What a miracle! Some of these are good things. But we need to be careful how we use the word miracle. We shouldn't throw it around so lightly. See, a miracle is a big deal. It's when God's supernatural power intersects with nature and something powerful, something amazing, something unexpected takes place. That is what's going on here between Jesus and Peter. And in this miracle, we see that Jesus has power over creation. Maybe Jesus knew where all the fish were. Maybe he just called the fish into the nets. We don't know, but what we do know is that his full power is on display. Jesus shows here that he is Lord over fish, that he is Lord over fishermen, that he's Lord over nature, that he's Lord over our entire life, all creation. This catch of fish opens Peter's eyes to the reality That he's in the presence of God. That in this boat with him is the second member of the Trinity. God the Son. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that is who is in front of Peter right now. God the Son. He recognizes the divinity of Jesus. It comes out in his response. Look at verse 8. He says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me from a sinful man, O Lord. See, he recognizes here there's a vast difference between him and Jesus. Peter recognizes this and he is not even concerned anymore with the boat sinking. You notice that? There's no concern anymore that he's on a, he's on a sinking boat. All he all he realizes, all he's concerned with now is I've got to get, this, we've got to get separate here. I've got to get away from Jesus. He falls at his feet and confesses his sinfulness. Isaiah had a very similar experience. Isaiah chapter six. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he said, woe is me. For I'm lost from a man of unclean lips. I've said some things that are just not God-honoring. I've said some things that have not built up the people who were around me. I've said some things that are just not helpful. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. It's not just me. It's the entire society that I live in. We've all said some things that just aren't. Just, they're just not helpful, not God-honoring. And it says... From my eyes have seen the king. Isaiah says, there's people who are ruling and, and reigning right now, but there's one king. And we could say the same thing. There's people who are in roles and running things in our country, but there's one king. There's one person running things. The Lord of hosts. See, Isaiah and Peter had a humble response in the presence of God. They show us here how, how crucial and how important it is that we are humble people. And humility comes when I think about myself in relation to Jesus Christ. Not when I think about myself in relation to the person next to me. Jesus is the standard. This is the response of people who are seeing themselves clearly. They're seeing that they're sinners in need of a savior. See, this scene between Peter and Jesus actually teaches us how we find out who we truly are. Blaise Pascal said, Jesus is the center of all, the object of all. Whoever knows him not knows nothing aright, either of the world or himself. See, we can know some things, but without Jesus... We don't know those things rightly. Outside of Jesus, we don't know and understand the world rightly. Outside of Jesus, we don't know and understand ourselves rightly. If we never meet Jesus, if we never see him for who he is, that he is God come to earth to save sinners, we will never see ourselves for who we truly are. And if we never see ourselves for who we truly are, we will miss out on the salvation that he Offers Peter shows us what we need to do, that we need to confess that Jesus is Lord, that he is God, that he is holy, and that we are not. That we need him to save us from our sins. Here's another clue to how clearly Peter is seeing Jesus. He calls him Lord. Calls him Lord. See, lots of people ask the question, who's Jesus? And they ask that question because there's so many random answers given about Jesus. He's just a religious icon, just a moral, good moral teacher, just a really nice guy who's much nicer than the people who follow him now. There's so many random answers, but Peter gives us the clear answer Jesus is Lord. And this Lord came to earth and fulfilled the scriptures on our behalf, died for our sins, was risen from the grave on the third day to prove that sin had been paid for and that death had been defeated. So if you're wondering today, who is Jesus? This is Jesus. The Lord of everything. Who gives up everything in order to save us, those who have turned from God, And so if you have not put your faith in Jesus, then Jesus calls you today to trust him for your salvation. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what people may say or what people may think about you making that decision. Walk in faith and trust the one who gave all to save us. Because as you do that, he will carry you through whatever comes. So, Jesus stops just being a teaching rabbi for Peter, and now he sees him rightly as a ruling Lord. And this, this causes Peter to fear. When he sees Jesus clearly, it causes him to fear. He falls at his feet. It's almost like Peter is clinging to Jesus while asking Jesus to leave. Try to picture it. He, Get away from me, Jesus, while holding his kneecaps. And Jesus is like, well, even if I wanted to leave, I can't. You got my legs. But Peter doesn't have to fear. Because sinners are exactly the people that Jesus came to save. Luke 5 Verse 32 says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is like, I didn't, I didn't come for those people who, just, who think they're, they've got it all together. I didn't come for those people who are so blinded by their pride that they don't see the sinful choices that they're making and the damage that they're doing to their life. I didn't come for those people. I came for those who are Seeing themselves clearly that they're sinners in need of a Savior. See, Peter is the type of person who Jesus welcomes. Peter is the type of person who Jesus heals. Peter is the type of person who Jesus forgives. Peter is the type of person who Jesus changes. He transforms them. Look at verse 10. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. Jesus doesn't say, you're right, Peter, let go of my kneecap so I can leave. He says, don't be afraid. See, Jesus didn't come to drive us from his presence. He came to draw us into his presence. He came to embrace us with his grace. And when we confess our sinfulness, we are welcomed into that embrace. Jesus tells Peter he has nothing to fear, and that's because he has a plan for Peter. He has a plan to change him and to use him, and Jesus will do the same with us as we walk by faith and do what Peter is about to do. We've seen Peter obey Jesus. We've seen Peter confess that Jesus is God, and now we're about to see Peter follow Jesus. This is our third and final point, the right response to the mission of Jesus. Follow. Verse 10, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And if you've got an ESV, you should see in your footnote there, there's a footnote at the bottom, it says a Greek word here refers to both men and women. You'll be catching men. And when he had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Jesus reassures Peter by telling him, he's like, your sin has not disqualified you. God can use you, Peter, and will use you. That phrase, from now on, is important. It highlights that this is going to be Peter's new calling. That Peter's life is going in a new direction. See, Peter can't hang a gone fishing, be back in an hour sign on his door anymore. This is going to demand his full attention. He's going to be at it full time. Another important word is the word catching. That word is formed by joining the verb to catch, and the Greek word to catch in, uh, in Greek is agriuo, with the word for life, and the word for life in Greek is zoon. And so, it could be translated to catch people alive, or to spare life. Which conveys this idea of rescuing people from danger. See, when a fisherman goes fishing, they're not thinking like this. They're not thinking, I'm going to catch and release. In these times, they're catching to eat or to sell. Fishing went bad for the fish. See, Jesus here is calling Peter to a new kind of fishing. Peter will become a fisherman who rescues people from the deep sea of their sin. And he does this by pointing them to the one who can take them to the shore of salvation. By pointing them to Jesus. And this catch of fish points to the success that Peter would have. And when you read the book of Acts, Peter does have success. He preaches and many people come to Christ and it points to the success that we will have in our evangelism. But if we're honest, missions, evangelism, scares us. There's there's a little bit of fear that kind of creeps into our belly when we, we have this opportunity to share The gospel. But what we've got to remember in our our attempt to overcome our fear, we need to remember that those who are outside of Jesus Christ are in danger. They face the danger, they face the possibility of spending eternity apart from God. And we know the one person who can save them from that. And so, what we need to do is pray for faith. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us courage, to give us the ability to be bold. And boldness just means courageous clarity, to be clear about what Jesus has done, who he is. Like Peter, we're called to go fishing. And evangelism is a lot like fishing. If the fishermen never drop the net, if they never drag the net, they won't catch anything. If Christians... Never drag the net of the gospel. We won't catch anything. But if we drop the net of the gospel, many people will be caught in the net of God's grace. So we need to be active and intentional in the sharing of our faith and casting the net of the gospel. And here are just three easy questions that you can use just to start conversations with People. Pastor Chris shared these with me. You can ask this do you have a religious or spiritual background? And give people an opportunity just to, to respond to that. You can ask another question you can ask is, do you have a do you have a peace and hope and joy and freedom right now in your life? Give them a chance to, to to respond, just have a dialogue back and forth. And the last one you can ask is, have you heard of Jesus and the main things he said? and did and let them respond. And something that we need to keep in mind as we do this is we need to do this in a respectful way, in a loving and gentle way. I remember one time trying to share my faith with my brother-in-law at a wedding. It was terrible. And it was terrible because of me. Because rather than treating him with respect as a fellow human being, Rather than honoring him and, t- and talking to him in such a way that shows him that I, I, I see him as a person who's going through real things. Rather than speaking to him like that, I spoke to him with anger and frustration. And it went nowhere. Our relationship is still awkward now. And I'm praying that God would make it get better so I can kind of take a run at it again because it was so bad. What we've got to remember is that in sharing our faith, we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to tell people about the greatest person who ever lived. We're trying to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And so we do that with respect, in a charitable way. And it's important that we do this. Because when a person is caught in the net of God's grace, they live. We catch them alive. So Jesus tells Peter what his new reality is going to be. And it says they left everything and followed him. The same power that prompted Peter to fall at Jesus' feet now lifts him into the mission of God in the world. And everything means they left their livelihood. Everything means that Peter is walking away from his parents' expectation. Everything means they're actually walking away from all the money that they would have got from this catch. See, there's a cost to following Jesus. Following Jesus is not easy. But following Jesus is worth it. And we've got to be willing to leave the things we want for ourselves so that we could have the things that Jesus Wants and has for us because what Jesus wants and has for us is better. And Peter's response implies a question. And the question is: must all disciples leave their jobs to follow Jesus? And the answer is no, because not everyone's called to be a pastor. That's what's happening here to Peter. He's being called into pastoral ministry. Not all of us are called to be pastors, but all of us are called to fish. Your fishing might take place in your classroom as a teacher, and you've got to be wise about you, how you do that in, in our culture today. On your job site as an electrician, in your home as a stay-at-home dad or a stay-at-home mom with your children, in a hospital as a nurse, we cast the net of the gospel wherever God has us we keep this in mind we have been caught by jesus and so now we need to let jesus catch others through us and notice here that it says they they left everything which answers another question does jesus expect me to do this by myself no peter doesn't go out alone he goes out with partners See, missions, evangelism, it requires teamwork. In Romans chapter 16, at the end of that book, Paul lists 26 different people who were partners with him in the gospel. And the people on the list, some of them were Greek, some of them were Roman, they were Jewish, there were men, there was women on the list. It's a diverse list. And what's really neat about this list is that at no point do you get any sense that somebody was ranked above somebody else. And this tells us some important things about missions. The first thing it tells us is it can't be carried out by one person or one one nation. The second thing it tells us is that there isn't one person who's more important than anybody else to the mission. There's people who are preaching and they've got radio ministries. They're on TV. They're writing books. And you're almost tempted to think, that person is more important than me. No, they're not. Because God has given us all gifts. And he's called all of us into the mission. And we're all important to what God is doing in the world. And the last thing it tells us is that the gospel breaks down racial, economic, and social lines. And draws all types of people to the team. See, we don't have an individualistic faith. We make it that way sometimes. We do get some things in the gospel, but it's not just about us. We're saved, and then we're drawn into a community. And in this community, we help one another. We pray for one another, and we go out on mission together, shoulder to shoulder. That's another reason why we don't have to fear in doing it. Because not only does Jesus promise to be with us, we are going together. We have one another. And so we go telling others about the good news of Jesus Christ. And we do this because just like Peter had the right response in this story, the response of obedience, the response of confessing that Jesus is God, the response of following. Just like Peter has all of these right response, many people as we share the good news will have the right response. Of faith, and they will turn from their sin and turn to Jesus, the one who can save them. God will catch people in the net of His grace. And so let's move forward, not in fear, let's move forward in faith, telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. Because as we do that, we will see that Jesus is going to do some powerful things. Through We will see his power and we will see his glory and we will see lost people saved. And we will see that when we see him face to face, that he is worth it all. That following him was worth it. That following him brings with it a great reward. That following him changes us. And that following him is not done by ourselves, but with each other and with Jesus walking with us and guiding us. So, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who, Lord, is worth it all and who calls us to obey him. And so I pray that you would help us to obey your word by the power of your spirit. I pray, Father, that you would help us also to be a humble people, like Peter here, who is humble enough to confess that he needs Jesus to save him. He confesses his sinfulness. I pray that we would do that and allow that to build humility into our life. And I pray, God, that you would help us be a people who follow, who go on mission wherever you have us, that we would share our faith with other people so that more and more people would come to know the one who gave everything for us, your son, Jesus Christ. So God, would you help us in these things? Thank you for how you care for us. Thank you for giving us a word and giving us your spirit to help us live out your word. God, we can pray this because of your son, Jesus Christ, who gives us access to you in the gospel. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.